Um, we could talk about stuff. We usually do. I mean, it is a Frithcast, and not only is it a Frithcast, but it's Frithcast number 130. Yeah. 130. Yep. Or, as you're supposed to say in aviation, one tree zero. Tree. Tree. Why, why is there a tree? I don't know. It's just how you're supposed to pronounce it. I mean, I know there's trees around the virtual campfire, but why would there be a tree in a plane? According to the International Civil Aviation Organization, you're supposed to say tree. One, pronounced W-U-N. Yeah. One, two, tree. Four, you're supposed to do like a two-syllable four. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight, niner, and so on. And this is how this is how you how you do. Hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be. Um, uh, it's supposed to make it harder for people to misunderstand you, and make it clearer what numbers you're saying. Okay. And and as far as I'm aware, nobody really bothers doing it apart from in Microsoft Flight Simulator where all the voices use all the proper ICAO pronunciations. Oh. Which is kind of distracting, if I'm honest. Yeah. But um, but it's all good. Is that a book by William Shatner on the shelf, or am I? Probably. Anyway, episode 130. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> there's a significance to episode 130, um, and that is that it is exactly... Ten times episode number 13! 13! 13! 13! You knew that which, joke was coming back, didn't you? Which has, has always been very special to us. Yay! You know. Um, and um, for today's uh, episode, uh, we thought we'd start with some music. Music goes here? Music goes here. Okay. Well, you see, the nice thing is about the editing, you see, all you have to do is leave a bit of a gap so you can see it on the waveform, and then you basically just snip it, and you get this bit, and you drag it that way, and it makes extra space. And then you can't do that with houses, really. And you can, you can if it's a TARDIS. No, that's just got the extra space built in. Only when you want to use it. Yeah. It's like a whole room of requirement, only bigger. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, you 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 have um, yeah. A TARDIS is as bigger, 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 or small as you as you need it to be, really, yeah. depending what it's kitted out for or what what the what the mission is. I mean, it used to be that your um, a, a TARDIS would have like a crew of six. Uh, well, six there would be six navigators. 
six. Yeah, hence six, the central console is hexagonal. Has six sides, yeah. Mm. And it's not supposed to be operated by just one nutball no. running around flapping at controls. <laughs> um, yeah, but the actual layout of the of the ship itself, what rooms it's got, what corridors it's got, all that kind of thing, depends on what the mission is. So it's like if you're going out on a survey mission, you might have all sorts of scientific laboratories and stuff. Let's let's okay. Let's stop talking about Doctor Who because okay. we've we've done Star Wars, we've done a bit of Star Trek, <laughs> <laughs> and really we ought to do an actual Frithcast. Let's do that. Okay. So, would you like to start? Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. <sighs> Welcome around the virtual campfire. <laughs> you will notice we are knee-deep in geek. <laughs> this should not be a surprise after 129 episodes already. I know, but it's particularly intense tonight, and it I don't is. really know why. And that's okay, and it's okay. So before we get started today, we'd like to just take a moment to pause and say a big shout-out and big hello to all of our friends at Awaken the North. If you are looking for an international, inclusive, heathen group with plenty of lively discussion, not only on their Facebook pages, but also in their Discord channels. Go check them out. We think they're kind of groovy people, and we'd like to maybe see you there and have a bit of a chat. So, lovely, lovely listeners, welcome, welcome around the virtual campfire. Welcome our listeners from all the way around the world. Hello. Pull up a log. Grab a drink of choice, settle in, warm your knees. I am precisely, mostly half of your hosting team. I am Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. And I am Kate, and I am the other half um, on the grounds that I live here. Um, and uh, I have some stuff in my head, but it as as... As previously discussed, it's mostly Doctor Who related or Star Trek and therefore isn't terribly useful. Yeah, it's still good. Unless it was a podcast about Doctor Who or Star Trek. Yeah, still good. Which, you know. Yeah. Um, so, tonight... Yes. ...is a bit of a funny one. As always. Because, I meant funny strange, not necessarily funny ha-ha. I mean, I can't... I mean, we do do a bit of both sometimes. Well, I like to think, but I don't, I don't <laughs> want to make any. I don't want to make any promises, you know. Um, but we are. We were. We were sort of conscious that we've 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 covered a lot of fairly. How would you put it? We've gone a bit kind of deep and serious in the last few episodes. We've, there's there's been a bit a bit of serious, hasn't yeah. there? There's been a bit we of did serious. We a double episode on Gokstad. Yeah. And we did our last episode on Hell, Hell's Realm and Hell herself. Yes, indeed. So we thought it might be time to change direction a little bit, like we do on these episodes, because there kind of is no... There's not an awful lot of sequence, and we can touch on a whole lot of different topics. We haven't got a plan, is basically what she's saying. Thank you, Captain <laughs> Obvious. <laughs> Fair enough, touche. Um, go on, sorry. Come on, I'm just derailed now. Okay, well, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to work out what what <laughs> rail you were on and put you back on it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we did. Yes, we did. We did the episode about about hell, um, and we thought that you know we we might look at this time maybe just have a bit of a have a bit of a chill out really. Yeah, you know. I mean, I always like to think that an, an evening round the virtual campfire is a bit of a chill out experience yeah, and hopefully can, you know yeah. go into random different topics at, yeah yeah uh, at different depths and as per usual what we talk about is might just be an introductory starting point for you to bounce off and zoom away into it deeper on your own which is why we throw links in the Podbean description so Indeed. you can go and search through and find your own way through what we talk about mm-hmm. which tonight tonight we are here to slay and not to play. Are we? Yes. How very. I know, right? How very. Yes. How just very. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about a little bit more of a a, a topic that maybe concerns modern heathens or might be something that you want to have a think about. Mm-hmm. And that is, it starts with how we dress for ritual. Okay. So... Because we have no, we have no doctrine. Mm-hmm. So a doctrine is like a way that we should <clears throat> act and behave inside the faith. So lots of the major religions have a doctrine that tells them the principles by which they should, yeah, live a life or try to live a life. Yeah, heathenism doesn't have a doctrine, so we have no established. Uh, rules, if you like, or understandings of how we do things. There are no um, commandments, no... What's that word? Tenets of faith. Tenets! That that cover how we actually experience our faith and under what circumstances we experience it. Yeah, yeah. We don't have requirements to do prayer at set times. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't have requirements to uh, dress or take our shoes off in a particular space or dress in certain clothes when we're doing particular things or do particular rituals before we do other things. No. What we have is essentially it's experiential. It's our own experience that helps us understand our faith and then when we share those experiences helps other people inform other people about their faith practice Mm. and we start to build up that common understanding so what I wanted to talk about today was how we might choose to dress for ritual for prayer for those special occasions where we mark time as in sacred conversation yeah rather than our secular day-to-day we're getting on the bus we're going to go do stuff. We're taking our library books back. We're cleaning the oven, for goodness sake. Why does that take so long? <laughs> We're doing the things that are in our... If I say mundane, I mean as in not... Oh, what's the word? The word mundane means... Uh, is is from mundus, the world. Yes, the so everyday. Mu- mundane. mundane means um, of of the world. So... As opposed to spiritual or or divine, yeah, um, we're talking. 
so mundane in that sense <clears throat> the things that we do in our everyday lives when we want to mark time or space as valuable to us as important to us yeah we may choose to do that when we are doing prayer time we may choose to do prayer prayer is a tricky one because it can be formal or informal yeah you can have prayers that you have crafted and that you have worked on and that you have written out that you then use in ritual mm -hmm. you can have very informal prayer where you sit with a cup of coffee and share and just talk yeah so again it's more about the rituals we do before ritual if that makes sense it does yeah specifically what we do when we dress for ritual mm. so i've <clears throat> done ritual in you know jeans and a t-shirt and i've done ritual i have a set of clothing like not necessarily full replica clothing but clothing that I will put on just for that sacred occasion that makes me feel more connected. And the more I use that clothing for that sacred occasions, the more when I put that clothing on, my brain goes into that kind of, oh, this is what we're doing because we're putting this clothing on. Yeah. From your from your perspective, it's sort of each each use kind of imbues the, the, the clothing with with a little bit more of. The... Yes. Yeah. And, and if I'm wearing that a particular set of clothing for for ritual for ceremony for formal prayer the more i use that ritual in getting ready beforehand the more easily my brain connects putting that clothing on with going into that sacred space and time mm. the more that i want to use that ritual uh, that ritual clothing or that ceremonial clothing for that those occasions so if if I'm conducting ritual and I've been requested to by an individual or by a group, I will ask them as part of the preparations for that, would they like full ceremonial clothing or would they prefer something more modern or do they want a blend of the two? Yeah. Because it's their ceremony. Yeah. It's got to feel yeah. right for them. Yes. And it's got to be something that they, if that's a part of the ceremony that they value... Mm then that's where I go as a facilitator for that ceremony, as a ceremony, as a ceremonial lead for that occasion. That's where I go. Mm. So I've got, the, yeah, that set of ritual clothing. And I've used that set of ritual clothing when we've done kindred ritual, when we've done child naming ceremonies, hand fastings, when I've done ritual not just for my group of people that i know but as an open ritual at a pagan festival yeah where we had sort of 40 50 people in the circle who were curious about heathenry and what a heathen ceremony looked like and so for them it was a way that i as a facilitator could honor them by wearing full ceremonial clothing mm. And I find that the act of putting that on helps my head get into that space. It helps me know that that's where we're going. And likewise, when we're done, <coughs> the act of taking that off helps me make that mental transition back to the mundane where I take my clothing off, I pack it away neatly for the next time. I make sure all the bits are in the right places, Yeah. put it away, 
uh, and then I'm back in jeans and T-shirt and I'm taking the, the offering plate and the offering bowl downstairs to give them a wash in the washing up bowl because mm-hmm. I'm back in mundane space and time. I'm yeah. not in ceremonial, ritual, connected, like direct connection to the gods space and time. So it's like you're you're sort of as a, um, a witch, depending on the, the particular branch of or particular path that they're following or, 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 or whatever... You know, a witch might might draw out a, a a sort of chalk circle and sigils and whatever mm. they need, um, to, in order to stand in to do the to do their 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 ritual or their spell or whatever it is they're 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 about to undertake. Yes. Um, most of which, um, ah uh-huh, ha um. I saw it, what you did there. I yes, I, I I only saw it. I only saw it as I sort of sailed past it, thinking, <clears throat> "I wish I wasn't doing this." <laughs> but we went there. But we went there. We went there. Um, but of course, the, the the function is yeah. You know, a lot of people will will attribute you know specific magical um, uh, relevance to, to to what they're doing or a magical effect or what what have you. But a lot of people will also say, "Well, it it it, it helps to sort of." You know, to sanctify this space, it makes it it makes it sort of it puts me in the right frame. It gives me the right mental, psychological, emotional mm. um, state to do what I'm about to do. Um, I mean, obviously that's a place, but you would do you would have sort of to some extent the same effect with. The choice of clothing, as as they probably will as well. You know, yeah. they might they might have a, a specific robe or what have you that they'll use. Christian priests do the same. Yes. So they pretty... will before they lead ceremony, they will dress. Mm. And they have most churches have a specific room, but sometimes it's just a cupboard mm-hmm. where all of their sacred ritual clothing goes yeah. and is stored. And they may find that they're using different parts of that ritual clothing so they're different a different stole for different occasions through their year i presume that's the vestry yes the vestry presumably because that's where you keep the vestments yes yeah yeah. so sometimes it's a, a room just off the side of in the churches that i've been in you have the main body of the church, which can have those sort of two central wings down the side of it, your rows yep. of pillars. Yeah. You then have that smaller front area, which is where your altar is, your choir boys are. The ritual itself takes place and everybody is viewing that ritual yeah. from outside of that space. Yeah. And there is often a door from that ritual area that goes to the vestry that that space either a small room or sometimes it's just a cupboard in the side where all of their their sacred items will be yeah and for yeah for them i guess it's the same it's that kind of they're doing something specific to prepare to go into that ritual so for some modern heathens i know this is very much a thing some modern heathens will put on particular clothes they may put a if they're wearing like jeans and a hoodie they may want a belt with the belt pouches on and little things in there yeah so that they can hide it under the hoodie if they're going to go out in public <laughs> um so that it's not obvious but it's still there yeah you may have particular ceremonial jewelry that you wear 
for certain occasions. So putting, you know, if you wear um, a Thor's hammer day to day, you may put on a ceremonial hammer again just for that experience of ceremony and just use it for that purpose. That's a spe- that's a specific one just for just for those just those for those occasions. occasions. Now so, I know you, if you don't mind me being no, no. being personal and and disclosing things about you, but I don't think it's a secret. You have your armoring that you use when you're I do doing rituals sometimes yeah so I have uh, an armoring so if I'm going out to do ceremony in those clothes that I have for ceremony the armoring will also go over the top of those Mm -hmm. if I'm facilitating yeah if I'm attending ceremony it may be that I'm wearing my ceremonial clothing it may not it depends on the occasion okay but I may not wear the armoring because that to me is is something that comes out in ritual and it's a very it's a sacred part of what I have. Yeah. So I don't wear that day to day. There are, you know, I wear a Thor's hammer day to day, but that armoring only comes out when I'm wearing when I'm facilitating ritual. Mm. And that is the only time I will wear it. Yeah. Or when I'm partaking in in ritual if I don't think that it will be a you know, if I can put it on under my hoodie or out of sight and having that with me so that I'm not sort of marked as a, a facilitator, I'm not marked as a a lead for that ceremony, but it is with me inside that ceremonial space. Yeah. But there's no, there's, there's sort of no specific, um, there's no sort of specific requirement to be, um, I mean, obviously I know, if we look at it from a sort of, um, can I say, reconstructionist standpoint, um, you know, what what information we have about how the old sort of Norse cultures would dress and so forth, there's no there's no specific requirement to dress as they dressed. It's not it's not sort of a a um, you know it's a case of well, it's not valid unless you're wearing this particular yeah, item of jewellery no. or this particular, <laughs> you know, no. style of of tunic or what have you. It's... Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that we can use to help inform ourselves in how we practice. Mm. There's a verse in the Havamal that basically says it doesn't matter what you're wearing so long as it's neat and tidy. Okay. That is the, the easy read version. Right. It doesn't matter that it's Reader's old. Digest. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's old, providing that it's well maintained or it's been mended or it's been patched and it's clean. Yeah. That's all you can do. You know, nobody should be told off for not having the latest bling. So that kind of gives us one clue as to how they viewed people that you shouldn't, you don't have to look down because nobody's got, you know, money to replace their tunic this year. Providing it's clean and tidy, we'll take it. Kind of like how you treat a flag. Yes. I know, I know, um, I mean, I'm not a big flag person, but um, I know they, there, are, there are sort of all, some countries have all sorts of complicated rules about how you're, hi America, um, <laughs> <laughs> have all sorts of complicated rules about how you're supposed to treat the flag and what you can do with it, what you can't do with it, how, and, but yeah. And, and and a lot will say you know at at, at some point and in, in Britain they do the same you know when when one becomes we don't have 
a flag code as such. We don't have any legislation surrounding, you know, what you can can and can't do with the Union Jack or anything like that. But we have uh, this this principle that once it gets too old and starts looking ratty or what uh, or, or or raggedy or whatever, then you retire it and you 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 get a new one. But you can. I mean, there are some there are some places where they're flying ancient flags you know mm. really really old bec- but because they've been looked after and they've been repaired and they've been you know all that kind of thing yeah. so it's, it sounds like a similar sort of deal yeah so there's that verse in the Havamal that basically says providing you're you're clean and tidy it doesn't matter what season's clothing you're wearing yeah um the second one that we can look at is the description from Eric the Red chapter four Saga of Eric the Red, Chapter 4, the description of the wandering Cirrus. Oh, yes. Who goes into the settlement, and you get an absolute piece by piece of, today I am serving you realness. (laughs) (laughs) You get an absolute piece by piece of what precisely she is wearing, presumably because it is so different from what everybody is wearing, and she is such a notable individual that it is worth recording. Mm, Mm-hmm. So you do get, you know, that description and we've got all of our archaeological evidence. We've got pictorial evidence. We can get things like the little tiny, um, the little gold leaf. They're like little rectangles with figures on. Or you get images on things like the Frank's casket about what people wore and how they wore it. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got figures, figures on the Frank's casket. You've got impressions of figurines that will show particular styles of dress and we have like the the medieval chronicler who gets all grumpy because the 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 women of britain prefer the vikings because they're clean and they're they're clean yes they're washed and they comb their beard and they're (laughs) civilized and they quite like them thank you very much yeah no Um, i quite (laughs) i quite like this guy he looks like he's had a bath in the last five years yeah you know it's not like not like the blokes in my village yeah exactly (laughs) so we've got that understanding or we've we've developed an understanding right down to the the dyeing and the weaving patterns of the cloth and we can get some cloth but not a lot because we've talked about archaeology before yeah, yeah. we've talked about anaerobic preservation mm. about how you lose a shed load of organics because they just kind of fall apart yeah so you don't get a lot of cloth surviving but we do get other things so we get those written descriptions we get those images of what people are wearing yeah and sometimes we get those notable descriptions like Saga of Eric the Red, Chapter 4. Well, just, just go back to that for a minute, because, I mean, you're going to have to refresh my my memory to the extent that you can. I mean, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but the, the, the CRS, she, is she not, is this not the story where she wants the songs sung? Yes. But there's there's only one person who can remember what what the songs are, and she's a Christian now, so she doesn't want to do it. That's the one. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember really what the the sort of... I can't really remember the descriptions of what she was wearing, but she was quite fancy, wasn't she? she she's was... a little bit fancy, yeah. She's got a... Clo- 
you know, cloak with stones set along the hem. She's got catskin mittens. She's carrying a staff with a big knob on the end of it, a ball on the end of it. Yeah. She's quite fancy and quite well-to-do. We've got those descriptions, so it kind of, it ties into a, a, a bigger thing for me of, do we choose to have ceremonial clothing or does it, does that hold weight for us? For me, it's kind of a part of my practice. It's what I find works for me. Mm. It might not be what every heathen finds works for them, or it might be an occasion where you suddenly need to do a whole lot of praying at very quick notice and you have not got time or access to the stuff that you would normally no. need or normally want to have, ideally. Mm. So, you know, your car hits black ice on a road, you're going to yell a prayer out pretty quickly at, at speed yeah. as you skid sideways... You're not going to have time to stop the car, get out, go put your ritual clothes in, get back in the car, finish the skid. It's Indeed. not going to work. This is very true. So why, yeah, so... Maybe I should have prayed when that happened to me. <laughs> I, so I, I, like... <laughs> I, I, I slid gently across the, across the road, across a junction, actually, so I was quite lucky. But I slid gently across this junction... And saw this wall coming and realised, I I can't make the car move. I can't not I can't, in the direction that no, you want. I can't no. control it. I can't slow it down. I can't steer it. I can't do anything except just wait for this wall to arrive. Yeah. And my only thought was, oh, you. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, do we as modern heathens do we choose that that's part of our practice our faith practice part of our own personal doctrine almost mm. our own individual way of of understanding what is valuable to us in faith practice for me it's hugely valuable if i've got time and energy before i know i've got to go do a ceremony or a ritual that i have that time to prepare and i can get myself into that mind space i can in the act of putting that jewellery on, those clothes on, that getting into that that space of I am going to go be in sacred time. Yeah. And I am then in sacred time with those items. And then when I come out of sacred time, the act of taking them off helps me return to the mundane. Yeah. So that kind of opens up a bigger question. And I know it's taken us quite a while to get to the bigger question. What is the bigger question? The bigger question is then, do we see the gods, when we picture the gods, do we see them in that replica clothing? Do we see them in those mm. 8th, 9th, 10th century imagery? Is that how we picture them in our heads? Or could we picture the old father Odin in a suit at the stock exchange looking at futures well I how do we how do <clears throat> we relate to our gods how do we define them and it's a question i kind of want to leave with the lovely listeners i don't really want to go too deep into this because that understanding of ritual and ritual clothing then goes a lot deeper i i will leave i will leave it alone i just want to <laughs> i just want to, to, to throw in like two or three just little little um, flashes of imagery that have immediately come into my head as mm -hmm. you've been saying that. Yeah. Um, which are very, very predictable, I know. 
Um, and the first is American Gods. Yes. Of course, which is, um, I, I have to confess, I have never read. Um, but I did watch the first few episodes of the TV adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I did like the 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 idea that they were you know they were presented in that as 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 essentially modern yeah. modern people for the most part. Um, I it also makes me think, which in turn also makes me think. When you said stock exchange, I immediately thought of Mercury. Yes. Um, yeah. Mercurius is the is the god of trade. And commerce. Communication. And communication. Yeah. Um, whence, whence we get words like merchant comes from his name. Mercator. Um, Mercantile. Sure Mercantile is, is another one, yeah. So you get these words relating to trade that, that, that come from him. Mm-hmm. He's also the god of thieves. Um, just thought I'd mention it. That figures. Um <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he is the de facto god of the internet for for most of those reasons. Um, and what does the god of the internet look like? I mean, it's easy to imagine Mercurius or Mercury wandering around wearing a toga, mm. you know, and and the the laurel crown and all that kind of thing, because that's what Greek, that's what Greco-Roman gods look like, isn't it? Yeah. And do you can you picture you know the gods? There's kind of another aspect then to wearing ritual clothing. Do they appreciate you going old school? Yeah. Does that have value, hold value? Would that hold value for them is that you are making that time and effort and spending that time getting ready and getting dressed for ceremony? And remembering that... Or is it you being there that's the important thing and the valuable thing for them? And the relationship between... Um, the, the relationship one would have with the, the, the gods of Rome, or at mm. least their, their descendants, if, if we... Or, you know, not their, their descendants, but the, 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 the gods who were formerly the gods of Rome. Mm. Um, and may still be... It's all too complicated. But... <laughs> The relationship that you have with them tends to be very transactional. Mm. So it's very much a case of, um, you know, they they don't. If if you you are making tribute to them, or you are asking them for something, mm. and if you want to ask them for something, you need to give them something. So when you think of a sort of transactional relationship like that, it does make you wonder if perhaps. These days is the appropriate if you if you go go and stand before, um, I don't know Jupiter or Neptune or somebody, mm. whoever it is, and you want to ask them for, you're basically asking them for a contract, of some sort. Should you be in, you know, business attire? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Should you be in smart formal office wear to ask for you know to to go into negotiations? Mm. Which. Finally, okay. Puts me, gives me the last image that I that I personally think I'm I'm doing that I'm doing at least some of our listeners uh, a great favour by leaving them with this image because it's always been a favourite of mine or it's been a favourite of mine for quite a long time. Uh oh. Um, and if I may mention the trickster, mm, of course. I as we've as I've said before, I am I have a tendency to visualise. 
the Norse gods, I, I am afraid, and I'm and I apologise if you know if 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 people find this trivialising or anything like this. But unfortunately, it's just the the the, the sort of the sort of cultural context that I've um, uh, that I've experienced over the last several years. I tend to visualise the Norse gods as their Marvel counterparts. Yeah, and I'm I. I don't intend any disrespect like that. It's just that they, these are the faces that come into my head when you say Odin. Yes. His is the face that comes into my head. When you say Thor, I see Chris Hemsworth. Oh, and it's no bad thing. And when you ask, when you mentioned the stock exchange and mm. we speak of suits, I can see Loki in that black suit. Walking down the stairs. And I'm just going to leave you with that image because... Good image. Tom Hiddleston. Mm. Yeah. I could see why. <laughs> yeah. Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you with that image. Thank you very much for joining us around the virtual campfire for this episode. We now have a go. We need to go watch a film now. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen any of those films in ages. Yeah. It's time. You know it is. It might be time. Actually. It might yeah. be time. Yeah. Just for that scene of him walking down the stairs in that suit. Possibly. Mm. No, I no, I, I, I kind of like those films, I have to say. Lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this episode 130 of Frithcast. If you would like to find us online, you can find me. My name's Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook under that name. And I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me for any reason, you can find me on Facebook as Kate Coldwind. Um, and I don't really have much of a presence online other than that, except I will um, invite you to come and find our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash frithcastpod. Um, if you want to find your way there, we have a little, we have a little page there for, uh, for, for, for people to uh, chat to us. And there is a link to our Discord server, uh, which is the sort of virtual, virtual campfire. Lovely listeners, we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.